Welcome to the More Than More podcast, where we discuss building meaningful, impactful businesses, careers, and lives through real estate. Okay, we are all the way to our, do we call this March or do we call this April? It is, it is April. It is April. We're looking at March data. Correct. And so it is our April, March market report. We got, uh, as you can hear, Tammy Hicks in the room. Hello. We've got Kyle Clarkson. Hello. And joining us as well, Roger Wheeler. Yes, thank you. So we thought we would up the ante here a little bit with some, what did you call it, seniority? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you just can't shake your head. You got to say something with it. <laughs> Speaking to the mic. Well, um, hey, everyone. It is uh, shaping up to be a crazy year. We skipped last month's market data. I think yeah. some of us were traveling and busy, but uh, we did have a couple of requests for it, so... Hopefully, we will put out something helpful for you today. I would start by encouraging everyone to listen to this month's KCM report. I thought it was insightful and interesting. I'm interested to have a very real conversation, though, about the extent to which we believe all of the, I'm not going to say hype, but uh, I I certainly never want to be the guy cheering on uh, a bunch of people walking off a cliff, right? So as we think about pricing and the state of the market and interest rates and even a conversation we had in the Ankeny team meeting this morning, I just really want to have an honest conversation about where we do have concerns and what we see coming and shifting and changing. So we got a slide packet for everyone as usual, which I'm presuming is available in the links to the podcast. And we'll just kind of fly through those slides first of all. Um, yeah, that KCM report, I think they spent the first half of the video all about interest rates. It was inventory for like a year, and now we've shifted to interest rates being the hot topic. Sounds right. Um, so a couple of us have, have uh, spent some time in the KCM report. <laughs> <coughs> a couple um, of us will be very soon. Yeah, I handpicked these guys just because I thought they, they provided a good synopsis. So let's just take a look at slide number one. First of all, Kyle, jump in. No hints as to who, who else watched the KCM report here, but um, <laughs> jump in on, on, on the narrative here. But those first several slides really were a dialogue about the projected or, or, or presumed impact of interest rates on really a couple of things. One is home prices, uh, but the second is home sales. And I think that those are two very different items that we need to be taking a look at. And so slide one, we've really got the, I think, six major interest rate hikes that occurred since, you know, all the way back to 93. Uh, You see a 2.3% to 1.8%. So notable average of 1.5% increases in interest rates from from prevailing rates to the, the height. And then the corresponding impact on home prices. And really what, what this is saying is interest rates increasing do not necessarily, or in none of these cases, result in declines in home values. Uh, They have produced a decline in the rate of appreciation, right, as demand was somewhat quelled. But then the second column is really about the impact of that on home sales. And there's two notable outliers here where interest rates going up did in fact, decrease home sales, which is really our bread and butter, right? Regardless of where home prices go, selling houses where we make our money. Um, The first was this uh, 11% decline in sales. What I found interesting about that is that was a context where the interest rates were at seven and a half, 7%, I believe, and then spiked all the way to 9%. 
Um, in all the other cases, you really only saw like a 2% decline or increase, frankly, in home sales during the period of time that the interest rates spike, other than the major exception of the housing collapse in 2005 um, six. So look, that's a thesis. I'm summarizing what they said. Um, speak to that, guys. So is that months? Is that how long it, the the increase took to get there? One point, you know, thirteen months to get up one point one one percent. It's an interesting question. I believe it is because if that's the case, we just saw we one did it in a month. month. Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is you know nowhere. That's what on I was going to say. There's nothing on here that looks like we're what, what we're, we're doing now. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I guess the other the second uh, decrease in home sales from June. 05 to July 06, that was actually a precursor to That's right. a ramp up in sales in 2007 before the crash. Because the crash was at the end of... When was it? Yeah, 08. 08. Yeah, yeah, but they're not looking at the crash so much as they're looking at the yeah. the yeah. increase in interest rates. Right. So yeah, I would say that that's not mute, but it is uh, what they actually did in the KCM podcast is they eliminate the first one. They say it's not relevant because you're dealing with nine percent interest rates, and we have no reason to anticipate that. Right, true. And then they left the remainder of them and said basically, other than the housing collapse circumstance, really there's a no increase, no 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 impact on home values during interest rate hikes and and a marginal if any impact on home sales right. now i agree it is really interesting in 05 that you could have a 14 percent decline in home sales but a seven percent increase in home prices that's amazing which that's what suggests oh now i can see why the bubble happened that was a bubble yeah yeah that was a bubble that kept going up even though sales came to a standstill and we know what happened after that. Right. It was a collapse. But I think the question that's being asked here is really to Roger's point, like is, is what we're seeing here, is it fair to use this slide as a correlation to what we're experiencing right now? Because we are experiencing a lot of appreciation and we know that they're working pretty hard to pull, pull that back. And they're doing that by through interest rates. So what do we anticipate really on two, two metrics is what I'm interested in. What do we anticipate? And I guess I'm asking your opinions because none of us are economists. But here we are in our markets, home prices as a function of interest rates increasing all the way to 5% in just two months, and then home sales. Well, I think home prices got to continue to rise because uh, we talked about in our team meeting today, inventory is still where it was about a year ago, which historic lows and, you know, demand still there. So- I mean, you know, if you got supply and demand issues, it's going to continue to drive it up. So you're saying interest rates going up to five or maybe six isn't going to quell the demand? I think it, it quells a, a segment of the market. I mean, first time home buyers is the perfect example we talked about where, you know, percentage wise of the market buying homes, you know, first time home buyers probably as low as I ever remember it. Uh, and some of that is interest rates going up, prices going up or just pricing them out of the market. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, our inventory cannot get any lower. Um, I said that this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Do you believe that? Well, uh, Omaha, you know, Omaha has a million people. There are 300 homes for sale in Omaha right now uh, with a population of a million. 300 homes. That includes new construction. Yeah, but he wants to live in Omaha. I, well, I don't either. But like you talk about it can't get lower. And I hear that. And I'm like, oh, it can. That's, that's a scary thing. So that w w compared to Des Moines, what? 
you know, six, seven hundred thousand. What would the population? Of no, oh, our, our million. We're we're eighteen hundred sixteen seventeen fifty twelve hundred yeah. of new construction. Yeah. So uh, the market in Omaha, there's a hundred new construction. Forty of them are Dr. Horton. That's where I, I got those numbers from. So, huh. so it could go lower. <laughs> <laughs> I just okay. Say. I take that back. <laughs> no, but I mean, it can't go that much lower. I'll say it that way. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I do feel like um, prices are going to continue to rise at some extent. I think the percentage will decrease. The the appreciation percentage that it is going up will come down slightly over the next couple of years. But I don't see it. I don't see this as a bubble. I don't see this as a, a cliff that we're walking off of. I'm pausing intentionally. I'm, yeah. wait, I'm waiting for seniority to. Yeah. I'm still trying to decide if I want to be the guy encouraging everybody to walk off the cliff. That was a. It, that was just <laughs> an interesting image that you you threw out there. But well, I, I want to be honest, right? Yeah, as you were saying that, I'm. There have been times over the last 12, 24, 36 months that people have said, "Oh, wait, wait, don't buy right now. Prices are high." Yep. I have been the guy cheering them towards what other people said was the cliff. And I just can't tell you the number of people who have said to right. me, They're thanking you now. thank yeah. you so much yeah. for having me buy this <clears throat> or that. And, and so my intention is to continue that because I agree with what Tammy said. I don't see, I think it, the buyer wins in yeah. real estate at this moment. There yeah. was one moment where that wasn't true, but this doesn't look like it to me. The buyer wins because? Because you gain wealth month by month. Whoever's sitting holding real estate is gaining wealth as they live. So even at elevated prices and five plus percent interest rates, you're saying you're telling family members, loved ones. Yeah. Buy everything you can buy. Buy what you can. There was a, uh, that slide I'm sure is coming, but one of the slides in there was the appreciation of real estate and, uh, don't remember the gap, but how much higher than inflation and yeah. just uh, right. real estate, an amazing place to have your money, especially what we've seen recently. So, Well, I, w- I want to tee up this article that was included in the packet that I, I shared with everyone just because I, I think everyone should read it. It's, it's a lot of anecdotes in here, but the, 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 the call outs here, one, this is an article basically saying that first time home buyers are being priced out. And we speculated about this 12 months ago. I think I said this is likely the first group of people that are going to be impacted by this. Um, But what they're saying here is that NAR estimates investors right now are making up 22% of buyers across the U.S., which used to be 15% just a year ago. And all cash offers are now 27% of purchases compared to 19% in 2020. Uh, conversely, the share of purchases by first-time home buyers fell uh, to 27 from 33. So we've got a situation now where interest rates are climbing, prices are high, first-time home buyers are really being pushed out because of affordability. At this point, just the monthly payment's too high. But any decrease in that buyer activity is really being filled now by a pool of cash buyers, investors, yep. Um, frankly, we're, we're those people. Like uh, we're looking for opportunities, and any pullback on first-time homebuyer activity, we're looking for those rentals. And so you're seeing an increase in investor purchasing, a decrease in first-time homebuyers, 
And I think the point is that they're being impacted in affordability, but that inventory isn't going to start to climb as a function of this because there's other people who want to buy that. Tammy? Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not just the interest rates. The first time homebuyers are frustrated. I mean, they've offered on 10 houses and they haven't gotten it because they've been beaten out by investors, people with cash, you know, whatever it is. And they're like, okay, well, we'll just rent. And uh, I mean, we've had uh, a couple of buyers that are in that boat and um, I mean, they're still looking at houses, but they're not as actively offering as they were before. Um, and it's because they're tired of getting beat. And I'd be, I'd be frustrated because they can't pay cash. I mean, they have to go get a loan. And if a seller gets a loan offer and a cash offer, a lot of times they're going with that cash offer, rightfully so. So what's your advice to those people, Roger? Well, one potential flaw in what Tammy just said there, when you said we'll just rent, that the same thing is happening in the rental market. So the word just maybe doesn't fit in that sentence. There's, I've got clients right now who are selling their house and they can't find anything to rent. Um, So it reminds me of 2010, 11, when the government started incenting first-time homebuyers. Remember, that was the first thing that came out. Yeah, $8,000 for first-time homebuyers. We've now come absolute complete circle from that now, where literally you can't, yeah, if you're a first-time homebuyer, you're probably not buying a house. It might be one of the most challenging times in recent history for young people to get a foothold and build wealth. Yeah, I'd really yeah. like to see, and I brought this up in the meeting, I'd like to see the affordability index. That that hasn't been talked about really for the last five or six years just because it's been so affordable. Mm. And and I don't think, I'm thinking about my young clients, I'm uh, helping a lot of um, not only my own children, but my friends' children purchase their first homes and they don't understand home affordability. How, they don't understand how good they've had it the last five years. That's that's a historic thing that we've seen. Yep. And so really, this is not, in that sense, such an unusual thing. It's just kind of getting back to a more normal thing for, for home affordability. A more normal thing. <clears throat> it's It's been... It's been way too easy for a guy to graduate from college and go buy a $350,000 house as his first purchase in real estate. With a 70-inch flat screen. It's just not normal. That has not been normal in our history. You've had to work really hard before you could buy your first home. That's not been true for five years. It's scary to say, but this country could maybe use a little bit of... uh, I'm saying exactly that. Man, it sounds like a bunch of old guys talking about real estate. (laughs) That's the seniority. Speak for yourselves. (laughs) No. No, we're old. Well, Tammy, Tammy was looking, I think, at the, at the next slide, which is th- there is an impact that we're seeing to pending home sales, slide number two. Well, this, uh, the upper left corner of that is the affordability index. Uh, dropping, Somebody dropping younger down. younger than me read those numbers along the yeah, bottom? Well, 100 is just your it's historically just healthy level. Oh, the numbers along the bottom. Are the years. That's 22 is yeah, the last one. I, th- if you're looking at slide number two, the top left-hand corner, that um, historically healthy level, you're seeing a decline there to that 100 mark. But guys, that's like late January's data. Yeah. So what we don't see in that, and, and that's why I said, we're going to give it a couple more months and you'll see the affordability drop below the 100 mark. And that's what is starting to push the pending home sales down uh, as, a, as a function. And what is the, the first year on the left? And by the way, I'm sorry, guys, just to clarify, that first slide is not 
um, affordability, Tammy. Oh, it's not? That's yeah, what it looks that, like. It's pending home sales. Okay. So all of these are pending home sales. Oh. Um, yeah. Sorry. But we will get the affordability to everyone here shortly because I, I think you're right, Roger. It is the next major conversation we need to be having. What we know so far is it is pricing first-time home buyers out of the market and investors are not afraid to step in and pick it up. So inventory is staying low, which means prices are still going up. And that doesn't look like it's going to change. What I do think is going to change is maybe some sales volume. Um, and we're seeing that in the pending data nationwide and locally. We're seeing pendings just ever so slightly down from last year uh, here and uh, nationally. I think that's insightful. and I think it's something we need to watch. Anybody more on that? This uh, slide three um, is really just an indication to me, this is uh, showings are still exceeding pre-pandemic numbers. Um, meaning, this is uh, you know from showing time, they've got their finger on the pulse of just real-time activity. These aren't offers, these aren't nego these are just people in houses. We know how many people are getting in. And it is at a much higher pace than it was even last year during the frenzy, and notably higher than 2019 and 18. What this tells me, tell, tell me what you think, is that there's no lack of people out there still wanting to buy these things. They're just maybe, to Tammy's point, being a little scared off by, well, how on earth do I get in? Yeah, I just had a buyer ask me that yesterday. I mean, we were writing an offer, and, and he, you know, he knows they can't offer cash. And so how do we make our offer better without being able to offer cash, without being able to remove the appraisal contingency uh, in full, um, and things like that? I mean, they're first-time buyers and... So how do we do that? So we Which, just there's like 80 years of real estate or more in this room. <laughs> Does anyone remember an appraisal gap before now? No, no. Like we're talking about things that I'd never imagined were even a thing, right? <laughs> yeah. And so we're doing gymnastics like yes. never before, yeah. just to try to get our offer even viewed, and it's still not panning out every time. So yeah, that's that's pretty. I think as realtors, we need to take a step back and realize because we're talking about this weekly. But for any buyer that we're representing right now, that's a pretty um, intense level of confusion and fear and, and intensity for them to have to navigate. Uh, seems like we've got work to do to talk people through this. And you gotta you gotta go through it. I mean, for a buyer, I can explain it and sit down. But I think of one couple I'm working with right now. Each time we offer, it's kind of like they're learning those things. Okay, appraisal yeah. gap. What do we do with inspection? You know, what about giving delayed possession? All those things that we are. You know, every now that we're on our fifth, they there are offers coming up on you know uh, just more incentivizing the uh, the seller. Well, they learned their lesson five five yeah. offers in, but it's tough for me to say it. They they almost have to experience a little bit. Yep, and and this couple at least is so, but still haven't won. Yeah, so I'm trying to build a narrative, and so far what I've got is uh, pending home sales are slightly down even though they're suggesting that home sales shouldn't be largely impacted by increases in interest rates. To Roger's point, these interest rates moved very quickly. Um, and then this next slide, number, uh, I believe it's slide number four, is what you were referencing. Well, one of the two you were referencing, price appreciation is still accelerating. So here we are. I mean, this is only January. But all the talk a year ago, was that as interest rates started to climb, we would anticipate a slight pullback, a slight softening, and that we would anticipate more moderate appreciation levels on, on real estate. As it stands, January was yet another record, which is a wonderful thing if you own real estate. 
And if you're one of the many, many millions of people in America, this is really, really good news. If you're those first-time home buyers, it's a little scary. Push them off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I was going to make one comment on the show. I, the showing numbers, I think that's way understated. Just because even though it shows showings continuing to go up, um, with inventory continuing to be low, I, I just can rem remember a day when people would go look at houses on Saturday and they might look at 10 houses. Yeah, that's right. That's 10 showings yeah. on showing time. Even a couple of years ago, they might look at three or four houses on Saturday. That's three or four showings on showing time. Right now, if, if, if my buyer goes and looks at a house, he's looking at one house. Yeah, that's right. I have to imagine, I'll, I'll look into this, that this isn't indicative of number of sh but they couldn't they couldn't determine the difference between them. Yeah. They couldn't know if it was the same person yeah. or different people. Right. So I, so I think I'm supporting what you right. said. I think this is it's just we don't understand the emphasis of there's a this. ton of activity out there. Way more yeah. buyers than what we're thinking there are. They're out there. They're a little freaked out. Which is what generates is slide number four. That's why well, I think four is going on for two reasons. One, because they're out there and they, they're not that afraid yet the, the five percent is certainly pushing some of them out of it but we also know that there is plenty of investor buyers to fill that gap right. so it's going to keep going up investors pushing that price up i think so I, I i've been trying to buy a house in arizona and california and i lost out on sunday we were seventy thousand dollars over list and talking to it like yeah it was other investors that were offering you know we're up in that same range or it's not the first time home buyer or whoever else is pushing that price up i think it's investors doing a lot of that right. i keep wanting to say stupid things like well where's all the money coming from and then i i realize it came from helicopters during <laughs> COVID. <laughs> well not only that but people's people's real estate grew yeah. and so there's cash that's been generated in the system as a function of appreciation we've always yeah. talked about appreciation in terms of years now these numbers are so high we have months. to talk about it in terms of months <laughs> Because um, you're talking about one or two percent a month that's right. at this rate. Yeah, that's right. So I I have a client who started looking for a house up in Wisconsin back in Feb in uh, December, and there was a house that was their favorite that it looked like it was overpriced, and it probably was overpriced because it didn't sell immediately, and they watched it for about thirty days, and because they lost out on several other deals, they went ahead and ma made an offer on the one that was probably overpriced. They had it under contract. They're getting ready to close on that next week now. We're in April, so it was a long pending, 90-day pending. Well, that thing's been increasing at 2% per month mm -hmm. during that 90 days. Mm -hmm. So now he, he's calling me saying, wow, we're getting a heck of a deal. We didn't think this would happen. But it looks <laughs> underpriced now, three months later. I, I like stories. I'm sorry. But right here, I just sold a house in South Ankeny, uh, similar floor plan. So I listed at 275. We sold it like 290 at offers, whatever. Well, one street over, same house, similar size. Now it's over three and, and this one's not closed yet. And I'm like, I mean, that's how a couple months, uh, you know, I, you know, 10 offers out on it, whatever, and drove the price up. And now we're higher than that. Even I feel like my yeah, job, had one of those in April. <clears throat> yeah. my job in these conversations is to try and take the stories and the data and, and create their force. I feel like so much of this is about creating convictions in our own chest so that we can, with confidence, have consultative meetings with our buyers and sellers in a way that can guide them to smart decisions. So, 
So try and put a, put a flag in that, and let's, let's try to figure out some therefores in terms of where we're guiding people. We've kind of mm-hmm. touched on it, Raj, to your point. Like, it's scary, and, and these numbers are asinine, but if you can, get in there and buy, and we're not, you're not concerned about a cliff just yet. No, and in fact, I do so much new construction, and I'm saying the real smart buyer, buy new construction right now. It takes nine months now to build that house. If it's growing at 2% a month, (laughs) that's 18% appreciation while my house was being built. Mm -hmm. But yet builders sometimes aren't even putting those on. I have had a couple of aggressive buyer's agents who have come to me and said, hey, I see your builder's building a house. It's not listed yet. Can we negotiate a deal on that? And man, I want to put that deal together because that guy's a good realtor and his buyer's going to win on that. And Mm -hmm. my builder, it's a good thing for my builder to have that house under contract. There's escalators in. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great situation. Trust Roger to have an alternate view on that. Not alternate, but creative view. I mean, that's an interesting point. You wait nine months, your house is now worth 10% more than it was when you put a contract on it. That's right. I'm going to keep moving. Slide number five that we've included for everyone here. I think this is quite fascinating and kind of like I ask, where does all the money come from? The other question is, why is there this inventory deficiency? And what this indicates is that basically since 2006, this entire country <coughs> has been underbuilding absolutely for just the rate of population growth that we have by a notable amount. I, I think this is number one. When yeah, people talk about what's going on in the real estate, I say it's because we were so far underbuilt for so long that this is one of the major issues with our inventory today. I think we even said that in the first market yeah. update we did. Yeah. I I mean, until this gap between the green, top of the green and the dotted line is filled, we're going to continue to have inventory that's below what we need. Well, the problem is you don't fill that gap by building back at regular rates. You have to build at notably increased rates Correct. just to fill the gap, the, def- right. the deficit. Right. Think and about then you what, got Roger running around buying them all up before well, they're even built. Think <laughs> about what we're seeing now in the grocery store where something is, there's no inventory and they're telling us, well, it's because there was 12 months where that plant was uh, closed. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to make up the difference in that 12 months. Here we're talking about 10 years yes. yeah. Yeah. and a massive expensive property. It, it just is I think what's hard about this is we see the data and it makes sense to us, but we lived through the last 10 years. And yeah, okay, 8, 9, 10, it felt like no one built anything. They didn't, yeah. But 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, but it felt like we houses, were building yeah. quite furiously, yeah. but apparently not enough. So well, well, Kyle brought, you know, he's brought up DR Horton. We brought in a national level builder here and everybody, all, a lot of the builders dropped out at that point. There were several local builders scam. who said, I'm not going to compete with that. Yeah. Those were the losers. Yeah. I mean, right. the guys who stayed in the game, DR Horton hasn't even made a dent in the market. That's right. Yeah. I, I think we were in the new construction space back then, if I recall. I don't want Joe to hear that podcast. <laughs> I think I think that was before. I just called that Joe was before loser. DR. I think you called me that and was Joe before losers. DR Horton came. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> um, I think that is a uh, Kyle. You're saying number one in the sense that people need to see this. Yeah, this, this I, helps explain yeah. number one reason why why uh, we have an inventory issue. Got it. Yes. Like when when I they're talking to me about what why are there is there such a shortage of homes? There's several factors, but I think this is a 14 years in a row where we've been under the number of permits we need. 
So this next one, I I think is great. This is like an example of the cliff. Like I, I don't want to sell real estate to people. I don't want to create demand. Seems like demand's organic. That's what I love this business. I just get to get in the path of business and help them have an amazing experience. But if you're ever going to sell why you should own real estate, this is a pretty good slide to do mm -hmm. it. And so this is what you were referencing earlier. Real estate is a hedge against inflation. In 2021, with 6.8%, inflation in our country if there was one thing worth owning it was probably real estate yeah and we would anticipate for the next two three years we're going to see more and more appreciation yeah. or inflation is a better way to put it so um i don't know what to say about that slide other than uh, what i wrote here is if you if you owned real estate for the last couple of years you're smiling it's been a great place to have your money mm -hmm. absolutely i'm trying to look back and see if there were bad times like if you look at the 2000s, it well, basically was even with inflation. Yeah, no, there were. When you talk about a cliff, Kyle, I'm sure you probably sold a Triton townhome. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you some, people I sold to somebody it in 2008. <laughs> oh yeah, for 130,000. Yep. And then in 2009, it was worth 70. Yeah, mm -hmm. sold them for 70. And it was a, it was probably even. a first time yeah. home buyer yeah. who was 98 percent financed, and yep. that was the cliff. Yep. But now the beauty is Kyle recognizes it. He, he's yeah. felt the pain of that before. Yeah, that's and right. we're not going to do that again. Right. But we don't want our clients. I'm saying we're not going to encourage our clients to do that. We know what that looks like. And it's not today. Where I struggle with that is it's like the difference between an understanding in my head and an understanding in my heart. In my head, I'm looking at this going, you should be buying. Even at 5%. I, I see it. It makes perfect mm -hmm. sense. Something in my gut, probably because I lived through 2009, yeah. Yeah. tells me, yeah, but these are really high prices. And and 5 is double what 2.5 was. So it starts to feel like it's bad counsel. And that's the conviction part that I'm talking about. I think we've really got to be resolute on this in our heads and, and, and stay on it real close. Because if it shifts, we need to know first. But I, I do struggle. I mean... Uh, with the conviction side of talking people into the space. I'm actually in agreement with you, Raj. He's smiling. Well, I'm but. smiling because I'm thinking I might have talked you into the cliff. Into the cliff. <laughs> what, what did you own in 2009? Uh, real estate-wise? Yeah. Uh, not that much. You owned a, a townhome in Oxley. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> that probably was worth 25% less than what you paid for it. Yeah, well, there's all sorts of reasons that that townhome wasn't a great purchase. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Kyle. I'm the guy talking yeah, to the yeah, to the cliff. Look, you. Joe and I have we we purchased together. We own quite a bit of real estate together, and I can tell you that I'm deeply grateful for the assets that we've owned through this period of time. And I remember a year ago and two years ago going, "Yeah, this is really high," and it wasn't. And so, all <laughs> indications are that two years from now, we'll look back and wish we'd purchased more real estate. Yeah. Um, Don't you wish you? Purchased more last year than you did this year? That's 100%. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm Absolutely. kicking myself for not buying Absolutely. a house for myself last <laughs> yeah. year. Because yeah. I'm trying now and I can't afford it. <laughs> That's um, what it's going to be like next year when you try to do it. 100%. <laughs> slide seven here is really just the same thing, but cumulatively, I think it's a powerful slide to show the impact um, over the next five years of a standard assumed, I think it's about a 6.7% uh, assumed appreciation over that period of time. And so you're talking about $100,000. Um, so I think for the right people, great slide to put in front of them. Well, I remember the last one when we did this, it was the, the 
uh, kind of the pessimistic economist thought yeah. over the next five years can be 22%. And the optimistic said 60 some percent over five, would be a, the game over, over five years, oh, like it's, which, you know, when you see 18%, that's not, that's not that far fetched. Right. Yeah. Well, to that, if you jump to slide eight, here are your projections for the remainder of 2022 core logic coming in the highest at 9.6 and, uh, and then that tapers all the way down to like NAR at 5.1%, the average being 6.7. I don't know what you guys would say. I speculate that this is low. Yeah, take the over if I'm betting. <laughs> You're betting on the 7.8.9? If it's 6.7, I'm taking the over if I was a betting man. Yeah. I didn't understand your betting lingo oh, there at betting, first, but yeah, now I got yeah, it. Okay, all right. Take over the over. Under. Over, under. Take the over. Um, <clears throat> any more to be said on that? I don't know how to gamble. I have no idea what Kyle's talking take, about. Take the over. You, you think it's going to be more than 6.7% appreciation over the next year? Or this less. next year? Yeah. Certainly more. No, take the, the over. Next, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I should be telling people. Take the bet, over. Bet the over if you're betting. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to start saying that. You're no, going to see that. I think that's going to be used bet out of context. <laughs> bet <laughs> the over. We're going to see this on Facebook completely yeah. bizarre. Uh, Rod is going to own bet the over. No, he's just he's just asking if you believe it'll be more or less than 6.7. For the next year. Yeah. That's going to be more. Yeah, I 100% it agree. It can't be less. Yeah. I, well, when this this projection was being made, that was in the context of them stipulating or, or suggesting that that 19% that we saw for January would be significantly lower than that. Who's the Zellman guy? He's got to get out of the business. <laughs> He says 3%. 3%. <laughs> Actually, I'll be honest. I don't know who that is. I'm going to have to, but I mean, these are the, yeah. Um, that's it for slides on what we included. Um, so we need a home affordability slide. We will make the NAR affordability data available, and I'll try to <laughs> get the most recent one, even with this packet for everyone. But I, anyone looking at it needs to know that you're looking at yesterday's information and you're going to see affordability sliding down, but we haven't yet seen the impact of going to 4%, 5%, and three more months of appreciation. So I, I look forward to that conversation three months from now. But why does it, I know why it matters, but why does it matter? Affordability is going down. So? But I still think it's not going down so much that it makes sense for people to rent in all cases. I mean, that's that's what you use the affordability chart. No, rent is going up. I know so that's what I'm saying. She's affordability right. of yeah. rent is right. That's the what same I, that's, yeah. they're taking rent into the context when they're doing that affordability chart, um, and that's what it's talking about. And so I don't think it's going down so much that it would make people not want to buy a house. The other thing that I, sh I think we should see, I, I agree with Kyle. He said the number one factor was that home con new construction, and I, I think that's probably right. There's something going on population-wise. That was a national mm -hmm. thing. I think there's something going on population-wise regionally that is meaningful. I remember a day when uh, all of you young kids were going to be moving out of Iowa because there's nothing to do here. You pointed to me there, by the way. Young I think you're yeah. the youngest one in the room. Yeah. Uh, but that day's gone. I feel like people are actually saying, whoa, I want to live in Iowa. I, I haven't seen that data, but I'd like to see it. Well, I, yeah. I'd love to see the growth yeah, in the Des Moines area. Because I think of, you know, 2009 when there were 6,600 homes on the market. What was, what was Des Moines area? I mean... 
six, seven hundred. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'll put out a challenge if anyone knows where because I don't to get the most accurate, best local population data. Let me know, please. We'll we'll do yeah. some research on that, Abby. But uh, <laughs> if you've got something, let me know. I think you're right, Raj. I think it matters. And what you're s- suggesting though is that we have even more demand here than might yeah, be true in other. The growth. You know, New York City right now, there is plenty of apartments to rent. Mm. But if you want to find something to buy right now in Florida, you're going to have a problem. So we've had a, a geographic shift yes. go on throughout mm-hmm. our entire yes. country. Yeah. And you're suggesting that a place like Des Moines might be on We're the, on the upside the of that. Yeah. Yep. yep. Joe and Dylan, you're winners. Yeah. <laughs> I just keep going back to it. During those days, there were 6,600 homes on the market and Des Moines you know, population was what, what percent of it is now. And now we got 1,750 and Des Moines that much larger. And now our MLS, which includes that 1,750, how many of those are anywhere across the state? I, like, right. Yeah. Take a ten mile radius, fifteen mile radius around Des Moines, and yeah, it trickles out to me. You know, yeah. I'm out in Huxley, and I think there's actually a population shift going there too, mm-hmm. where people are saying, "I want to get out of Des Moines. I want yep. to get out to the small town." Yeah. Well, there's so many things that it has to Not do. Not me. With. You know, I mean, we're it's, we're it's, uh, selling. Da- sorry, Tammy. We're selling Dallas Center. Do you guys even know where Dallas Center, Iowa, is? We started this little. Uh, you're not that senior. Okay? <laughs> started this little townhome project over there. My builder had a good vision, and it kind of took a while to take off. But it's literally the mm-hmm. hottest thing going right now. And I, it, you know, you can go out. You can be 20 minutes from downtown Des Moines. You've got a bike path in your backyard. Your new construction. You got tax abatement because the little towns want you. I mean, it's just a wonderful world. I've lived in Huxley once. It's not going to happen again. <laughs> but I'll, I'll take a fresh look. They have a grocery store now. Yeah, and banks. Many, many banks. Help well, me with this, good. guys. I can walk out my front door and go sit on the patio at, a, at my favorite restaurant. Can you do that at your house? Well, there's only I two can. restaurants and one of them <laughs> Subway. So, okay. <laughs> Mo- moving on. Um, I do want to wrap this up. Uh, um, let's start with buyers because they're the easier of the two. So how are we counseling our buyers? Let's think through first time home buyers, but also just generally go around the room here. Yeah. So for, I mean, I think a first time home buyers, cause I really want them to, I want them to win. And it's, listen, you may have to pay more than you want to and expect to, but I, as I look at appreciation, you know, go back, you'll thank me a year from now that you made that decision. Uh, and so maybe big 60 words days right? from now, maybe 60 days. Yeah. I mean, you got to believe that. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, hundred percent believe it, mm-hmm. but you, you just got to do things maybe you weren't expecting to do when you jumped in the market. Okay. So, so which is, which is a conversation we've been having for quite some time, but yeah. even more now than ever before. Yeah. Tammy. Yeah, I agree with that. And then also just perseverance. I mean, they, they have to understand that it's going to take longer than they expect. Um, you know, if they're talking to their parents or they're talking to their friends who bought a house three years ago, uh, they're not going to have the same experience. And so they have to know that we have to prepare them ahead of time as best we can. And they do have to learn some of it on their own. They're going to make more than one offer. Yeah. Like Kyle said, you almost need them to bump their shins once to, to really At least understand. Once. Yeah. Otherwise you feel like you're twisting their arm unnecessarily. Right. Roger. Uh, I think the word for buyers is creativity. Find something unique. Don't just be the guy who, sits and waits for a house to come on the market Mm. is one of a dozen sheep making an offer and hoping it turns out well for you. Find something creative to get into that mix. I don't know what that would be, but that's what I would encourage. It sounds like you need a creative realtor then, right? 
Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, hustling and being able Knocking to... Knocking on doors. Yeah. Turning dolls. over rocks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you have to be looking for inventory. Yeah. Yeah. How does this translate to our seller clients then? I mean, obviously, we're just hungry for listings. Anything we can get, we really want. But in our conversations with our sellers, is uh, how does this come to the table? Or does it not? Is it just good for you? Put it on, <laughs> go high. It's good for you. I mean, it's a great time to be a seller, so... My gal who's selling on Gordon, you know, when you got multiple offers to look at, well, what makes the most sense? Well, we had one offer that for 90 days, you can find your house you're looking for, which that's like priority number one for her because she's got to have a place to go if she's going to sell it. So we got a 90 day, you know, window that is subject to home of choice. Well, that's a long time for a buyer to wait, but that's kind of what they're having to do. So she wins, not only does it get an amazing price, but she's got 90 days to find something. Most yeah, of our sellers are buyers. Yeah, and that's a creative way to do it. I mean, that's that. Think of things that could be good for the seller, whether it is a delayed possession, um, the subject to finding home of choice or whatever. Um, sellers have options, and not every seller. Um, I mean, we had this conversation a couple of days ago. Not every seller is going to want to do the multiple offer game, um, and that might be the best thing for them or their realtor. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 my word for sellers is be smart. Don't be greedy. I think there's so much greed in the market right now. Even this morning at our sales meeting, we had two two opportunities where realtors said, ah, I put it on, had multiple offers, deal fell through. Now I got to go find another. But we had three of those, actually. You had one, Mike and Rob. And I'm telling my sellers, don't get greedy and think that we're going to get the most offers with the best terms. Just tell me what you want. How much do you want to sell your house for? When do you want to close? Uh, let me go find the best buyer, the best realtor to put that deal together for you. Why can't you be happy with that? Now you you took the emotion out of it. You made it a smart transaction. I just think that's a, a better financial, emotional financial way to go. That's uh, good. It makes me think of um, when you're buying a car on a used or new car lot, and there's this expectation of a negotiation. So like the pay sticker, or a car, at least back in the day. Not, not today. <laughs> not today. today yeah. you're paying sticker or more. But back in the day, if you didn't negotiate, you felt like a bit of a dork, right? So there was a psychology to this thing where I, I've got to play this game and negotiate. Otherwise, because honestly, I don't care. I was quite happy to pay sticker for the car just to get the process done. I think some of that's at play here where sellers right. are watching all this news yes. and going, we got to have like 50 people in the house. It's got to be a mad yeah. frenzy. And, we gotta, and if that picture's in their brain... Not only might they be disappointed because it might not work out that way, but more importantly, they may be getting too fancy with their footwork right. and they may actually be harming themselves. Yes. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good thought. Yeah. And honestly, we have a couple of, we've had a couple of, well, one in particular, uh, older buyer who has a picture in their head of what it's going to be like, that they want to negotiate that. And they were frustrated when the seller wouldn't negotiate yeah. with them, you know, and it was the only offer on the house. <laughs> Um, but the seller's like, I don't need to negotiate. Somebody else is going to come pay my sticker price. That's about the same thing the car guy said to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is crazy times, guys. Um, well, I, I think we wrap it there. We're at 45 minutes. This was fun having three voices in the room. Uh, appreciate your insights, guys. Um, I love the, the words thing, although both of your words, Roger, actually were phrases, just so you know. But neither of those were words. Don't be greedy. Bet the over. Bet, Bet the over. Also <laughs> a phrase. Okay, well, everyone stay sane out there. It is crazy. And remember, um, 
yeah, we have to be in this for our clients. At the end of the day, we're in the people business and it's a pretty tumultuous, it's a pretty crazy time out there right now. Yeah. So make sure they're first, make sure we're having consultative conversations. And um, I think the KCM report this, this month is a good one to jump into to position yourself for that. So thanks everyone. Thank you for joining us today. For more episodes, resources, and show notes, head to morethanmorepodcast.com.